Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for Hello, and welcome to Season 32, Episode 8 of the Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Ingy. And I'm Kadave. And I am back this weekend. I survived my mother-in-law's house. It was great. And order has been restored to the studio. I'm looking at you, Dave. <laughs> All right. We made it. We're fine. <laughs> We're fine. It was fine. In today's episode, Ken from Canada asks about losing control of your NPC villains. Fuzzy Boff asks where the lines are for lines and veils. And Jan Gale, who I always say wrong, from Norway asks how to get new TTRPG from the shelf to the table. If you'd like to contribute a question or story to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. And we could we could use some emails. So please send some. Yeah. Announcements. JackerCon, our free annual community-run online gaming extravaganza, is coming up July 21st through the 23rd and other days around that, depending on your time zone. Currently, there are 15 games all scheduled in on all different systems and a bunch of different times. Most still have openings because we do tend to be a GM-heavy community. So if you don't want a GM and you just want to play games, perfect event for you. Go to happyjacks.org slash community games to see an updated agenda of all the games available and a link to the Happy Jacks Discord where you can join and become part of our active gaming community. Again, JackerCon is totally free. Just go, and people are very helpful. If you've never used Discord before, it's not that difficult. And you click the link, it'll be like, join? And you click, yes. And then people there will be very helpful. They'd be happy to help you, and they will welcome you with tacos. So, mm, yeah, tacos. tacos. Well, taco gifts. We can't actually send you tacos, but we would if we could. So, again, that's happyjacks.org slash community games. Yay, it's a new month. Welcome Woo-hoo. to July. Ah. I'm already sweating. Yes. Allison, a.k.a. Draz, is a queer Chinese diasporic game designer and writer and artist who makes games and TTRPG supplements. You can find her games on Drazillion, D-R-A-Z-I-L-L-I-O-N, dot itch, dot I-O. And this week, we're going to be talking about her cyberpunk TTRPG called Dianxin, which is Electric Heart. And it is a... You're trying to survive in a world that doesn't want you to thrive, like, you know, most cyberpunk. (laughs) Sort of. Like the world today. Yeah. Welcome (laughs) to, yes. And without losing your sense of self-worth or your will to keep going. Oh, too real. (laughs) Right? (laughs) This game can be played both with or without a game master. It is designed with four to six players in mind, including a game master, or three to five players without a game master. And it has, it's cyberpunk with very poetic mechanics. The players have two stats, electric, which represents their usefulness and self-worth, and heart, which is associated with their morale and motivation to keep going. The higher one stat is, the lower the other will be. Just like real life, it is difficult to balance your self-worth and your morale under capitalism. So, and you can get Dianxin, which is $5 on her itch.io page, which is drazillion.itch.io. So, and we're going to be talking about one of her games for every week this month. And our Patreons will be getting a exclusive interview with her. And I'm very excited to write those questions. And people always complain because I ask very like specific questions. Like this one game that I found on the bottom of your itch page that you wrote eight years ago. And this one mechanic <laughs> in it. What made you think of that? Because that's really cool. They're just like, whoa, that's a poll. Okay, great. <laughs> Let me go back and look at that game that I barely remember. <laughs> Yeah. And Allison was recommended to us by last month's Indie Designer of the Month. So that's very fun that they're kind of like, that's cool. Yeah. Helping each other. Pass it on. Yeah. Jessica Markram is like, hey. I'm also going to, I'm going to continue to say Drazil Lion. I mean, maybe that's what it is. (laughs) 
It may not be. I like Brazilian too. Yeah. But I like the idea of some kind of crazy Brazil lion. lion. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Very good. All right. I think that's everything. All right. Mailbag number one. When of you have to read it? Because I've been talking for I'll a while. I'll do it. Hit it. Go. It's a long one and I'm trained at this. All right. <laughs> You're classically trained. I'm classically trained. Hi, all. I'm going to begin with my PS. In my email regarding tantrums at the table, this is Ken, by the way, I believe, yeah. I would like to apologize for my use of an inappropriately misogynistic pejorative. My only excuse, which is not sufficient, is that my wife and daughter use it all the time, so it's stuck in my head still. Please accept my apologies. We use, um, we use the word bitch, and it was I believe it was an all-lady panel on that day, so sort of it was like also bad timing. We were like, okay, just so you should know, like... When you're talking about someone at the table acting like childlike or or like petty, maybe don't use that word. Mm -hmm. And thank you for taking our notes. We yes. appreciate it. On to the email. Yes. There's been some discussion recently about taking stuff from players. And I'd like to share a near horror story that happened recently. I'll attempt to set it up as briefly as possible. It's very brief. Um... <laughs> In our Weird War 2 game, our low-intellect, bloodthirsty U.S. paratrooper player character found a Nazi blood mage's sacrificial dagger. It counted as a magical weapon, but every time it inflicted a wound, he had visions of it being used on innocent victims, and he had to make a sanity check. This game is being played in Savage Worlds. He called it Nancy, and it became his best friend. He even took a magic-resistant edge that he attributed to Nancy. Jump ahead. And the gang is attempting to close a gate being used by Nyarlathotep. There you go. I nailed it. Of Catholic fame. Per perfection. To invade Asgard. If I tried to explain how we got there, I'd be adding two more pages to this email. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they met. Fuck. Uh, Nyarlathotep <laughs> hanging out, <laughs> hanging around the portal. And our dagger-loving hero opens fire on him with a machine gun from a high tunnel entrance. Having never played a deity before, I decided I wouldn't bother rolling dice. The bullets had no effect. And nigh. The shortened version of your favorite word. New York? Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Nigh. Invited them <laughs> down to the floor for a chat. Our hero then waited till he was distracted, then tried to stick Nancy in his back. Nigh, without rolling a die, disarmed him. Gave him a pep talk about not depending on crutches and finding the strength within himself. And tossed Nancy into the portal to the outer dimension. There was a pause. One player gasped. <gasps> Just like that. I realized at that moment what I had done. In my defense, I was absolutely in character. More than I had been for some time. It seemed like something I would do. It was out of my control. <laughs> Did the old ones dominate my mind at that moment? The player, I think, began determining ways to recover it, even considering jumping into the portal after it, despite my hints about creating a new character at that point. But we carried on, and the portal was closed. Cue the heroic fanfare and end credits. <laughs> I spoke to the player after the game, apologizing for destroying Nancy, explaining that I was in the moment. To his credit, the player, who is not known for his role-playing prowess, decided to take it as a goad to change direction for his player, becoming not quite so much of an element of chaos. We worked together and decided that the magic resistant was a result of the last victim of the dagger who has chosen to remain as a spirit that protects the character, who did contribute to the death of the blood mage. So catastrophe averted. Thanks to a player who is a very good sport, I can't say that other players at the table would have taken it so well, and my respect for the player has increased substantially. Have you ever been in a situation where you lost control of your villain, and how did it turn out? Thank you. Thanks for all your amazing show. That's what it says. And keep calling me out when I've crossed the line of social acceptability. That's how we grow. Ken from Canada. Hey, thank you, Ken. Cheers, thank Ken. you, Ken. All right. <sighs> Losing control of your Losing NPC villain. NPC villain. I lost control of my PC once that oh, I can yeah. think of that was completely just a character choice. And then I felt so bad about it afterwards when I murdered your goat. Yeah. It was an in-character thing. I was a spoiled rich kid. You were. It was good. Owned a spaceship and 
I was like, why are my employees not listening to me? This is unacceptable. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Throw that one's pet out the airlock. Teach <laughs> oh, a lesson. No. Like, it was just a petty, nasty little tantrum a kind moment. of a thing to do. But yeah. it was just completely in character. And almost immediately, I was like, oh, what did I, what did I, oh, no, that's terrible. Yeah. And I felt guilty about it for like three weeks. And Everyone went, oh. Yeah. That was Ashes of Exodus, right? That was our traveler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was just like shocked. Because yeah. yeah. it's such a not Dave thing to do. Like, you were so in character. And we were just like, oh. Yeah. And there's like this moment. And he's just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very cute, though. And. The goats, which used to be out here. He, Dave also brought me a, a stuffed goat later as like an apology. Mike froze it in the freezer for <laughs> No, like a cute little, like in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> cute, cute, like, Here's the what happened to your goat yeah. if you're coaching. Frozen in the depths of space. <laughs> like, like plushy, like goats. And here until Laurel in sort of a couple weeks ago was in here Found and it. was like, that's mine. <laughs> so now, now yeah. Goat is like it's living, gone on to live a new life. It's living its best life with a three-year-old who sometimes sticks. But she gets to pick two like friends to to be in the bed every night, sure, whatever, sure. because she's a lot of stuffed animals. And every once in a while, the goat's lucky enough to like get chosen to be one of the two friends. So it's <laughs> living its grade. best life. Yeah, nice. Now I mentioned that goat being like, I've seen things, kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I- <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I can't say that I've lost control of a character, but I have been like compelled to go to a place that I didn't expect the character to go to by depending on the player's actions and attitudes. Yeah. Sure, sure. If they're like, we're the PCs, nothing bad will happen to us. Be like, <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Let's see about that. Challenge accepted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did it one, sort of. It was sort of like this. I tend to not do this so much with, like, the big bad villain. I tend to sometimes get a little, like, the heartstring, the pulling heartstrings characters. I get, like, a little too into it sometimes. And sometimes I'm not, like, I'm, like, pull your, rip your heart out with, like, the, the emotional sad thing. And not always, like, totally aware of, like, maybe I should pull back a little bit on it. I've learned, but like one of the first games, I I think the first game I ever, it was a D&D fifth edition game, home game. I was practicing because I was like, okay, we're doing a podcast. I've never GDM'd anything, but we give advice about GMing all the time and I should probably know something more about it. And I was doing it at home and there was all these ghosts that were, it was set up to be kind of like a, a flip where like they found, like there's like this evil island and it was like a a fine normal island until they discovered it was evil but they found ghosts in these like catacombs and the whole kind of twist was that these were actually the victims they were being sacrificed but the players didn't know that when they first showed up it was like oh these are the so they started to try and like fight them and then they like like realized who they were i can't remember if they'd actually rolled initiative and started combat and then they realized like Oh, all these like ghosts are like have broken limbs and stuff like that. And then mm. yeah, it was so it was kind of like it was pretty dark. It was a very dark game. <laughs> but I feel like I went a little overboard in like some of some of like being these like very tragic characters. I tend to slip into that more than I do like the villain role. I have realized recently, and if there's one thing I'm really, really good at, it's like tugging the heartstrings and making my players cry. There was one stretch where like this game that I'm running now on Wednesday nights, mm-hmm. I've never had the party breakup without the gaming group breakup before but it was like we all sat around afterwards saying like what a great time it was but then we talked about like what are all the characters going through what's everybody going through right now and all this stuff and then one of them like they went back to the city that her long lost father and like unbeknownst to her brother and sister are in and they have to have this huge fight and then she calls on the her ancestors and the spirits come out and each one of them says how much she means to them. And she is just, we cried probably four or five episodes in a row. But also this group is like all actors. Mm-hmm. So they were like, oh, I love it. We're having the best. This is the best role playing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's not so bad. No. <laughs> Rose has corrected me. It was fourth edition D&D. Oh. I've told that story before. <laughs> Which would make you want to cry to begin with. Yeah. And she's like, actually, I remember your memory is better than you do. 
Which Thank is you. fair. It's totally fair. Hundred <laughs> percent. Rose knows me better than I know myself. Mm. Um, God for Rose. Yeah, but I think that's more what I tend to do. Honestly, I tend to minimize my villains quite a lot. It's like, oh, we're finding a thing. Oh, it's dead. Okay, let's go into the good part. Yeah, let's get back to role playing. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to making everyone cry. Cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just very emotionally manipulative. Mm. Game master. Davey I, thoughtful. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think, like, as a GM, the only time I can really think about, like, where I let the player's actions really sort of change the role of a character, like, from what I thought could have been a cool villain, eventually, that I was sort of building up to, into just being a tragic character, was between my Tales from the Loop game and the Things from the Flood game. Mm -hmm. In the Tales from the Loop character creation... One of like the NPCs that your character has a relationship to is like, you keep having dreams about this kid, horrible Peter, and he's in your class and he's just obnoxious and terrible. And like, you don't know what these dreams mean. Right. And it leaves it open ended. But like the players all latched onto the concept of horrible Peter, like, oh, he's the worst. He's that guy that shows up and like tries to be cool, but just tries too hard. And he just follows you around and he's just terrible. And we never the- had anyone like that in my school. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, then they just kind of just kept pushing him to the side, pushing him to the side. So then he ended up being like, Oh, okay. And then he gets taken in by this government program and they're doing experiments and stuff. Mm. And during the course of the game, the players leave him there. They don't help him break out. Uh-huh. And I thought they were going to help him break out and then I could turn him into like a super cool kid for the next game. Uh-huh. Like, oh yeah, because it was sort of a human werewolf experiment thing that had gone on. So like they left him there though. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. So then when he came back in the next one, he was just a broken person that lived in town and nobody even knew who he was because he had just let himself go wild hair, big bushy beard not really tied to any place wandering around and he'd like do sketches of like his traumatic events so then i had them find these sketches through the game and then eventually they finally figured out like oh you fuck (laughs) (laughs) like like nick looked at me and he's like you are the worst human being Yeah, I mean, am I or is it you for leaving him in the, like, the play? You left a kid in your class in a government facility when you came to break your friends out. Yeah, like you left men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's the thing about playing at least with me and apparently with Dave. <laughs> there's consequences to your action or inaction. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I think that's a really important aspect of gaming and mm-hmm. of running games. Because if there's not some sort of ticking clock or thing happening in the background, then it makes it where a lot of the choices that the players make aren't as meaningful. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to say they're meaningless because they're absolutely not, but they have so much more impact on the world and the story when you actually are keeping track of that stuff in the background. And also it saves you work later when you're like, oh, I need a villain. Oh, wait. You made them already for me. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Sure. Have we have we spent that? Are we done? Oh, All the right. only other thing, when I first glanced at the email, mm-hmm. I, I was like, I didn't read the whole context. I just was like, question about losing control of your villains. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, I totally had a game. Savage Worlds player character had just done nothing the whole game. We get to the big boss at the end. They're like... I'm going to try and do this mind control thing. Just kept exploding. <laughs> so it was like they got like 48 or something <laughs> on the dice. And I'm like, well, I guess you've completed this mission. Good job. We're wrapping up early yeah. tonight, folks. <laughs> Had that too. One of my old players, there was like, I was setting up a new big villain to be hunting them down after they pulled off this heist. Because I was like, all right, you're going to pull off this heist to get the blood orb back to the ghosts who were mad that, that it was taken. Mm-hmm. But in doing that, you're also going to make, you know, enemies with the city guard and specifically this one captain. So I'd like designed him up and got artwork and all this stuff. And they're leaving and and there's like a fire going and he's down on the 
on his horse on the edge of the river as they're going away on this barge. And he's like, I've seen your faces and I will not rest until I get you or anything. So this player goes, and I let go of my arrow. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, roll the hit. Explode, explode, uh... explode, explode. Okay, well, but you only get an extra D6 for an ex- for a raise, Savage Worlds. Yeah. And, and then she starts rolling damage and wouldn't stop exploding. And I'm like, and he's sitting there going, and I will never stop until I shunk. <laughs> Sploosh, and he just falls into the mud face first. And I'm like, you guys got away. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. I miss playing. I haven't played Savage Worlds in a really long time. I miss that. The Me explosions too. are so much fun. Yes. You might have to run Savage Worlds for us, Angie. I think I'm, I've been going over my notes now for the last like week. And I found like I've got my own magic system for my fantasy world, gunpowder rules, and all sorts of different edges and all Amazing. that stuff. So. Think about it. Yes. So I might do it for Jack. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. There are uh, people in the chat. Erica's like sharing like when she's lost control being like like different characters. I think one time I very much lost control of myself in role playing. I'm usually a very aware role player. I tend to be shocking. I tend to be kind of the the caretaker. Like as a role player, I make sure everyone gets moments and like my characters tend to be kind of a facilitator. They may not be like the most interesting character at the table, but they like make sure everyone else has a connection to what we're doing. And yeah, I know. Do you have your mittens? Did you bring your water? You? <laughs> yeah, but like like meta about it. Yes. Not always, you know, so I just like, you know, if I notice a character, oh, I'm going to have a conversation with them about this. Like I tend to, to be that way. But <laughs> one time I completely did not do that was I was playing a one shot of Good Society and I was playing the Dowager. I was so vicious. <laughs> and Jason was my like like grandniece or something or great granddaughter. I forget what he was. I think I actually hurt his real life feelings when I was so brutal about the dress he was wearing to the ball. I was so, <laughs> so mean. It was like, and I, I just like, I was kind of not expecting it. I was like, oh, I can be the dowager. That sounds fun. I've, I've seen Downton Abbey. This will be amazing. Oh no. I just like lost myself in this <laughs> vicious old woman who was just like, oh good. Your dress matches the wallpaper. That's a great decision when you're trying to catch a husband. No one will see you. <laughs> like it was just like, brutal <laughs> talk about wallflowers yeah so yeah something i don't know at the moment it was it's very funny but oh man i i got out of that game and i was very tired i was like wow and everyone's just like wow like who was that yeah what, what happened to you what have you been drinking like, it was very fun and everyone it was very funny but it was just like it was very different than a lot of characters i played and i just like reveled in in it it was very funny mm-hmm. all right should we go on to mailbag two? We should. Do you want to take this one so you're not reading right from number three into the conclusions? Uh, that one's usually pretty simple. So why don't you do this one? Okay, very good. Number two. Greetings, Kimmy and all fighters for truth, justice, and better gaming. I've heard for your request for emails, so I've motivated myself to attempt to translate ideas from my head into the written word. Take note. <laughs> <clears throat> Starting off, I think safety tools are a very important part of our hobby. Correct. Uh, (laughs) and have even introduced the idea to my wife, who teaches a theater camp in the summers. Awesome. My question is concerning the level of detail one should go into to avoid a line. For example, Kimmy has mentioned that one of her lines is always child harm. I have three young kids of my own and feel the same. I understand that a line means the topic is not shown, referenced, or even alluded to. But what about a village being wiped out by a dragon? Presumably there would be children there. Technically speaking, this would fall under alluding to child harm, right? Maybe a niche example, but it's the best I could come up with. How far does the GM responsibly go in avoiding a line? I hope I managed to write this in a way that doesn't make me sound like an asshole. (laughs) I love done and done. (laughs) Asking questions is never being an asshole. No. Well, it could be, but this is not. This is that does not have an asshole vibe at all. No, no, no. no. This is like super nice. Yeah, I love the show and everybody involved in it. Thanks for all the great advice, letting me getting me through long, boring work days and road trips. Tanner, fuzzy boff on the discords. Obligatory PS: Partake of whatever beverage or snack you choose. I shall do so. I'm gonna eat these dice. (laughs) 
I've always treated it a situation where if you extract the danger out enough levels, mm-hmm. it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, okay, a dragon attacks and burns down a village. You're not going into the details of what happened there. It's just, it's a disaster, sure. Everybody feels bad about it, but like, you're not narrating out the dragons coming down the street and there's a kid standing there frozen in terror. Like, yeah, that's not what you're trying to do. So I've always looked at it like that. Yeah. I don't know if that yeah. was the same with you guys, but like, sometimes obviously bad things happen to perfectly fine people. Mm-hmm. You just don't have to talk about that portion of it. Yeah, I would say it kind of depends on how strict the line is. For this, it's something where you're like, I know it bothers some people, but I, I tend to use filming terminology. We are very zoomed out on this. So mm-hmm. if it's something you're seeing from far away, then my lines and veils are a little bit different because it might cross my mind for a moment, like, oh, there's kids in that town. But then I like kind of pull myself away from that. I don't let myself think about that. So obviously you wouldn't go into detail of like specific corpses or something like that. But I, I totally crossed my own line there. Sorry. But so for me, when things are zoomed out that far, it's not a cross on the line. Now, you may, it may be something that you need to talk to with people because people may be like, no, 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 absolutely not. But for the most part, generally, and it might be something you want to make, if you know it's going to happen ahead of time, like you're planning, hey, the dragon's going to attack the village, talk with that person ahead of the session and be just like, hey, this is what mm-hmm. I'm planning. I know this is a line. Are you okay if we're just really zoomed out on it? Or, and I don't describe any specific details involving children. You know, that a check-in like that is always great. At theater camp, it's a little bit harder, <laughs> but it's usually like zoomed out stuff is really, really good, especially if it's like a kid's theater camp. Like if they're teaching it, if it's like kids, I don't know, whenever I think of theater camp, I think of high school for me. <laughs> <laughs> if it's kids or high schoolers, I mean, maybe it's an adult theater camp. If so, tell me where, because that sounds fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. But so it's a little, it'll probably work a little differently with kids. They'll probably be like, these are the lines, don't cross them. Probably be a little bit less of a, asking process with kids but maybe not so that would be the difference there there are some things that are not like even sexual assault and things like that like there's if a horde of vikings is attacking a village that is probably something that historically would happen that is something that you definitely shouldn't describe yeah and you should definitely just because historically it would happen it's yeah. not going in my fantasy world exactly <laughs> so again like if someone has that, like most people have that as a line or at least a veil at the very least. It's even crossed out, I think, on the Happy Jacks sheet. Yeah. You can't, yeah. It's like the first thing I tell all my players. Yeah. I'm like, no. none of that. I'm yeah. not narrating your sex scenes. No, <laughs> but so again, like that doesn't have to be part of your story, even though it's something that you might think about happening. So that's kind of the way I look at it with things that are quite at that level. Yeah, I- that's totally. Yeah, yeah, this Pinnacles game is actually my first Lines and Veils game. Oh. And it's freaking great because it's, so cool. it's like I've played for so long and there's a lot of stuff that eventually, you know, it kind of came out and then like came out, would come out through the course of play. Like, hey, I'm not cool with doing that. You know, once we get to know each other, but before we yeah. get to know each other and are comfortable, it's like kind of a guessing game. And I could go real Game of Thrones on my violence. Mm-hmm. And for some people, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. But, and the specific case i would probably if i wanted to because as a writer and a filmmaker i like to really set the scene yeah and i wouldn't talk i never talk about children harm Mm -hmm. but i would probably say that there are crispy bodies there or Mm -hmm. something and and now like having played with y'all and learning so much because this is such a great group of people i would definitely be like hey kimmy Mm -hmm. so something's going to happen where you and I just want to check in and see what level you're okay. Yeah, I think Tanner Fuzzyboff in the discords has the right idea. Yeah, I think asking and I think showing the intent to care about that is like the first thing. Like even caring a whole bunch about safety tools, having a bunch of things in place. Even then, things happen in the game, and because it's a four-hour-long improv session, you're gonna forget that somebody marked that as a GM or whatever. Like it happens. But the intent and asking the questions ahead of time, 
mm-hmm. is really, really helpful. And I found sometimes I play games and I cross my own line sometimes. Not usually the child harm one because that one's like very, but like, oh, oops, I did a thing. Sorry, let's. So even then, sometimes you'll find in that moment, it doesn't bother you. And then like you go back later and you're like, oh, that shouldn't have happened. Like like what you were talking about, Dave, a little while ago with the, the goat. Mm-hmm. In that moment, it was, yeah, Yeah. and then you're like, oh, oops, okay, and you know, at the time, like, I had very different lines and veils back then. (laughs) It's like 23, I don't know, whatever it was. Some age. Some age, in the before times. That's right. It seems long ago. ago. (laughs) I'll tell everybody, one of my, almost every game I play in for a lines and veil is anything to do with, like, eye trauma. Yeah. Freaks me out. I don't know why. Never had a weird, horrible eye experience in my life. Just if it's something that happens, it I, I get que- like going to the optometrist. If they do the poof of air for the glaucoma oh, yeah. test, mm-hmm. I'm about to vomit. Uh-huh. I don't know why, but it freaks me out. So I put it on, on lines and veil sheets. But for me, like it doesn't bother me if somebody says, I take aim and I got this critical hit. So obviously I hit him in the eye. Like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Just don't go any farther than that. Like, yeah. that's, I don't need to know about any other level of detail about that situation. It happens. I get it. Eyeballs are a critical hit place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But like, yeah, one of my things is body horror. I don't like that. I don't like the thing. Yeah. Or anything like that. And in our game, Sarah plays Kit, who can sometimes do stretchy things with their their body. Mm-hmm. And they always check in with me like, that's okay, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's just stretchy people. Yeah. Like, that's fine. Yeah. But, yeah, but having, like, your guts come out with a head on it. No, 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 nope. no, no. Yeah, no, not mm-hmm. good. Yeah. So, yeah, and, yeah, it's it, just about clear communication and, like, asking the questions ahead of time, and then if you mess up, apologize, thank them for bringing it up, and move on. Yeah. Also, yeah. no snakes. Never. No, <laughs> never. There's no snakes in all games. Really? Nope. Oh. Yeah, no, okay. no, because, like, just talking about snakes will give me Terrible nightmares. Oh, um, yeah. So, and see, I, I was allergic to every mammal ever. So, as a kid, all I had was reptiles. So, I have very fond feelings and like, oh, that's so nice. I won't say what it is, but you like, will never find snakes yeah. anywhere in my world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Erica Odd also brings up, like, in my most of my worlds, horses are like impervious to any harm whatsoever. Horses and ponies, they're mm-hmm. magical beings that will always be fine. But even I accidentally crossed the line the other day. One of the oh, characters, yeah, yeah. I guess two sessions ago, one of the characters was describing how big a monster was and was like, oh, I found a half-eaten horse. It was like one bite gone. And it was like, to me, it was far enough away because it was like, it was like hearsay. <laughs> like an NPC they were talking to said they saw one like months ago. So I was like, oh, that's like, I didn't even think about it. It seemed fine. And I was yeah. trying to give like impression of scale, like how big the creature was. and. Everyone was like, oh, it's not, it doesn't have the magical horsepower. Can we cross your own line? I was like, yes, I did. I did. It's like, or this bad guy is so badass, he can hurt a horse. Yeah. That's, <laughs> like, that's so the first thing that crossed into my head was like, oh, this is the letting us know that we're in deep shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just did a one shot for some of my friends and in person. And one of them was like taking, talking about taking a pet. And I could see that by the grimace on their face, they weren't so sure about it. And I just looked at them, put out my hand, and I said, I will never kill your pet. Your pet is impervious. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Always, always. But we'll always move out of the way if something tries to shoot you. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They will run off. Like, that's my thing, too. It's like, okay, so I'm going to go and I'm going to make sure there's a horse in front of me between me and the thing. At all time. It's like, yeah, Horses are smarter than that. And good luck uh-huh. trying to get a horse to stay anywhere it doesn't want to stay. Mm-hmm. I have I have a lot of experience in this area. Yep. Had yep. thought. Oh, it went away. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tanner. Appreciate your email. And mailbag number three. Hi, Happy Jackers. Thanks for the positive reaction to my way too long retelling of my first 10 Candles game at Midgard Con. I'm ready for the next con in September. So just FYI, Jenny Gell is actually from Norway. They had a like replica medieval like Viking like hall. Oh, wow. 
and like they had a convention in in this place that was the coolest sounding that's pretty rad. thing ever and he ran tan candles for the first time and it was literally like they're in this like giant mead hall thing and it was just like the most perfect thing and he was running a a ragnarok game so 10 candles like as the candles blow out like everyone dies at the end you know what's going to happen and the candles burn out it's like a countdown and candles burn out because you have to use little tea candles so sometimes they burn out on their own sometimes you accidentally blow them out whatever it's amazing but there's like this sense of anticipation that builds so it like it was very thematic to the con and the setting and it was just we all were like we want to go to norway and play in your game it sounds so cool but this email is not about that tiny amazing con It is about reading and running new TTRPGs. For the last couple of years, I have led a pretty big, for me at least, project where the goal is to use games and gaming as a tool for betterment of health. We've built a gaming room filled with both digital and analog games. It's a safe social meeting place for kids and teens between 12 and 20 years that share gaming as a hobby. I'm working closely with teachers, school nurses, and others who work with kids and youths. That is amazing. That is so cool. Okay. Super cool. Yeah. All right. Back to you. I'm sorry. I'm back out of me now. I'm going back. Okay. Our focus is preventing kids from dropping out of school and society to give lonely teens a place they can come and meet others to give everyone the same access to game and tech and generally preventative mental health work. It's been amazing work, but now it's going to get even bigger. I've met with the municipality's school leader and the leader of the child and family department. They want me to work more closely with groups of teens and children that have either fallen out of school and society or are on the way. Using games, more specifically TTRPGs. I'm just a nerdy librarian. Just. <laughs> Sounds like a superpower right there. Yeah. I mean, the nerdy librarian is the one that all the rest of us go to when we need help. Yeah, yeah like, absolutely. <laughs> I have are to our heroes. Yeah. How many memes do I have <laughs> that are us just wanting to be nerdy librarians. Yes, absolutely. So I'm not going to make any treatment plans or anything like that. I'm just going to play games and be an adult that speaks their language while teaching the other adults about games and gaming. I apologize for my tendency to write way too long emails. This is not way too long. Like it's, it's like a single, you're fine. It's a good length. Yeah, with English not being my first language, I usually need a lot more words to explain what I'm trying to say. You are great. You're fine. We appreciate you. Yeah. I've been DMing D&D 5th edition for a couple of years. I've played Hero Kids and made up RPGs with my daughters since they were around three. But I know I want to use several other games as well, depending on how rules-heavy the group needs the game to be. After this wall of text, my question arrives. Do any of you knowledgeable people have any tips on how to read and run new games? I've read games for fun for years and know that since everyone only wanted to play D&D, but for some reason, is getting it from the book to the actual game session seems to be a colossal task. I will run different systems. That's something I've promised myself. But I'll take any tips that make this easier for me. Thank you for all the amazing stuff you do, for the tips and tricks you share, and for all the random thoughts and lengthy rants you share, and just for being here for us nerds. Skull from Ooh. Norway. Sincerely, Jen Egel, Rogue Librarian on Discord. Hey. Jenny, he's gonna like correct Jan, me again. It? Yeah, it's probably yeah. Jan. I think every time he writes, I say it differently. It's like Jan just a, yes, Jan John. I don't know. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. First off, that is amazing. That is fucking amazing that you were doing this thing. It is also incredibly amazing that like the community all jumps in and is like, yes, this is a good thing that we're all gonna support and work behind. Like that is a dream. You're living the dream right there. That's amazing. Very cool. I don't know, but I can tell you a little story. See, I hate learning new systems. Like I want to learn one system and use it for everything. Um, Yeah, it's hard for me to learn a new system, especially from reading a book Mm -hmm. because of dyslexia and ADD. So like I want to just learn one system and that's which is why I played Hero System for a long time because you can put anything into it. And then I played Savage Worlds and now mostly D&D does not fit in that category. But (laughs) when I went from Hero System to Savage Worlds, here's what I did. First off, I went through the book and I read it and tried to figure it out and did a couple of like tests at home. 
And then eventually it was like, okay, now I need to get a group of people together. And who did I call? Dave! Because he was our Savage Worlds guy. And I was like, okay, well, I'll get him in on the game. He's my ringer. Mm -hmm. So when I screw something up as a DM or don't know the answer to a question, I can be like, Dave, how does that work? Or am I doing this right? And he Mm -hmm. was just, I mean, Dave's super cool. So, yeah. It's all about, for me, it's all about playing. Yeah. Yeah. If I can find a way to play a game once, then I can get a pretty decent handle on it, which has been the great benefit of the cons. Mm -hmm. Is like, oh, I can go and I can sign up for a game I've never played before and I can get a feel for it and see how I like it, which is how I learned how much I hate fate. (laughs) So, (laughs) right? I've tried multiple times. People told me it's the best thing since sliced bread. And I was like, only if your bread is moldy and horrifying. (laughs) But... I also found games that I love, and yeah, that works for me. I've also, of recent years, turned to watching actual plays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, if I've never played a game system before, I will go to the internet, and chances are somebody out there has run a game. Maybe not in a style I really like, but at least I can get a little bit of like, okay, here's how these mechanics work in the flow. Yeah. Because that's always the hardest part for me, reading it from the book. Yeah. Is like, I get the concept... But now, how is this going to work with a player-GM interaction? Or player-player interaction? Yeah. I did that a lot for a One Ring game. Like, One Ring has beautiful books, and it plays better than it reads. But there were points where I was just reading through it, and I was just like, I have no idea what this means. I have zero, like, reference. Like, there's just... And then it'd be like, turn to page so-and-so, and I'd do it, and it, like, also didn't clarify that there. So watching actual plays... And was a huge part of that. Also, if you look, there's a lot of game-specific discords and reddits and stuff like that where people are, I mean, not so much reddit, but generally in discourse, like, and sometimes on reddit, like there are some actual really great reddit communities out there that are really great about answering questions. I found a lot of good YouTube videos on stuff. I had a friend who was mm-hmm. wanted me to play to DM a Star Wars or GM a Star Wars game. And I was mm-hmm. like, it's got, doesn't even use real numbers. And I looked oh, at this thing and yeah. I was like, okay. Fantasy right. flight. Okay. Yeah. And like the more I did it, the more my eyes crossed. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I have like a whole massive box of fantasy flight dice because we tried it like when it was brand new. And like evidently they're selling for like 80 bucks a pop for a set of dice now because they stopped printing them. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Although now I'm like, well, no, I need to. What if I want to play it and I will never want to play that game again? I don't know why. I, but now it's like because I'm like worried I can't get the dice again. What if I wanted to? Mm. So who knows? Oh, sure. Yeah. I have no idea what that thought is like. <laughs> I don't have a closet full of stuff <laughs> that I will never, ever use again. Yeah. I think another thing I do, like playing is absolutely pivotal. Like, I I cannot get my head around most systems until I actually play them. And that includes games I'm writing. Yeah. Like, there are times I write things out and I'm like, I think this makes sense. And then I, like, do it. And I'm like, no, this is not what I wrote at all. Let's do it this way instead. Yeah. Or you go like, yeah, this seems... Or even, like, with homebrew stuff, you know, where you'd, like, start, like, oh, yeah, that sounds completely reasonable. And you're like, oh, but it interacts with this in a way that I didn't expect. Or it's just like, oh, what was I thinking? How could I have thought that this was good? No, 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 we're going to adjust it. Yeah. Yeah. You never know until you get it on its feet. Like, when I ran my first D&D game when I was 10 for my friends, reading those AD&D books, which were indecipherable to adults, Mm -hmm. I kind of had an idea, and I'd played a couple games before, and I just basically went, I'll just wing it. And so people would roll a die, and they'd be like, I rolled a 13. And I'm like, that sounds good. (laughs) <laughs> roll of damage yeah and we had a great time and then we did Shadowrun. i remember in high school i was obsessed with trying to play this game and i could not figure out reading the book how combat worked and so we're going through and we played about for about an hour and the first shot rings off and then boom everything shut down yeah for an hour and i had Ooh. the best teenage minds in the role-playing game <laughs> <laughs> in mission viejo and None of us could figure out how it worked. So I was just like, well, uh, just roll the die. Yeah, you kill him. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> the only time we ever played. Yeah, yeah. I, I think another place I often start is like character creation. 
generally what I'll do is I'll read like the important parts of the book. I'll watch some like actual plays or videos about how to do it. Cause there's mm-hmm. so many of those too. It's like an actual play is an option, but also like literal videos where they just break down the mechanic. There are channels completely dedicated to the one ring and how to do specific stuff. I'm like, yeah, all mm-hmm. right. This is what I love. But usually I'll start first with trying to make a couple just test characters. Because mm-hmm. if I understand the mechanics well enough to make a character, that's usually like a good sign that I'm like understanding it. And then that usually makes a lot of the videos and stuff make more sense later. Mm-hmm. So I'm not there if they're like, oh, what's your blah, blah, blah rating? I'm like, I don't know what blah, blah, blah is. But if I do like a couple like test characters up front, then I'm like, oh, okay, I know exactly what blah, blah, blah is. Now I want to write a game that's called blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, but, Those are your three stats, blah, blah, and blah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> like tune, you just... Yeah, oh man. I, I do something very similar. The first thing I do whenever I'm going to look at a new system is I print out a character sheet mm-hmm. and I use it as a bookmark. Because so much of the time where you're like, reading through and it's like oh here's you take this score or whatever and i'm like oh where's that one? Oh, okay all right i see how that works okay move on yeah that's a really good idea i never thought of that and yeah i don't know i feel like honestly the hardest point and it seems like you're not going to have that problem is dear email writer like is like getting people to play new stuff like we don't have that problem as a group honestly we have the problem of hey we really like that system. Want to go back to it? Nope. I've got five more I got from Kickstarter on my shelf. Let's put them in them. And everyone's like, but we'd like to, you to play Traveler again. And we're like, Traveler's in the past. We love it, but no, this new thing. But yeah, I think that's, that usually when we have people write in about, I want to try new systems, it's because they can't get their players to try these new systems. Sure. And it seems like Jean, John, Jen and Gold. Jan Egil. Jan Egil. Jan Egil. That sounds a lot better than any of my iterations. So I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> That you have a built-in player base with these kids. Yeah. Which is really and cool. And kids are like sponges. Yeah. And they are going to very much be... I feel like a lot of new TTRPG players are so used to like video games and stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to play this version of it. Oh, I want to play this version of it. It's very different. So it's like, I want this very specific game that does this very specific <laughs> thing. I want to play Stardew Valley where I get to farm things. It'll be amazing versus I want to play this specific Assassin's Creed game where I'm going to go and do this. And like, there's such a variety and you can find a video game that does the exact specific thing you do. Like I want to be a guy named Dave diving to the bottom of the ocean to catch fish, you know, who has a goatee to make sushi. (laughs) And there's that video game. Yes. Yeah. And I have, (laughs) I have found that at least video games are kind of a good primer and when new players, and this is a little bit off, off of our letter, but whatever. When new players come into TTRPGs, they're looking for the borders of the world. They're trying to figure out, oh, well, I can't go there because they haven't designed there. And when they mm-hmm. suddenly realize like, oh, I can do anything. And that look like their eyes yeah. pop open and they get that twinkle in their eye. And they're like, you mean I can just do things and people react to me like that's the juice man yeah i love that so i'm jealous of yanni gill of his ability to have that moment with you know all of these kids yeah Yeah. the one thing that i would recommend for trying to branch out from D&D, fellow scandinavians in sweden from free league games they've got their new dragon bane game coming out which is like the redo of essentially the original Scandinavian RPG that was oh. back in the 70s, I think, also. Like, it's very early in the history of oh. games. But not the one from the 1800s. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I also, here's something, my real-life knowledge that I would have no idea. I don't know what the linguistic crossover is between the Scandinavian countries. Mm. Like, I don't know how well a Norwegian person can understand a Swedish person speaking in their native language. Or reading their their language. I think it's very different. Specifically, I think it's, I don't know, there's one of the countries that like is a very different like historical construction of their language. Sure. I forget. I think it might be Sweden. That doesn't really match any of the ones around it. Gotcha. Okay. But I also like can't 100% say that. Yeah. I know my family, Ingi, is Norwegian. And there is a kind of like Chicago Cubs versus New York Yankees Mm kind (laughs) of rivalry there. Sure, (laughs) sure. 
But it is semi-local, and a lot of times they talk about places that are also semi-local in their games. So it might be useful to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, James is posting a bunch of information. No, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I just dropped off because yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> suddenly reading. Yeah. They can read each this other's languages without being reading. Oh, okay, great. Which right. means that you likely have it a pretty easy time of getting kids that might not be fluent in English. Mm-hmm. Reading wise, literacy that you could get their books that are also all published in Swedish. Mm-hmm. So that might help you because they've made a bunch of cool games now mm-hmm. in a bunch of different genres. Their, their stuff is such high quality, too. I yeah. absolutely recommend it. The one game that I would kind of recommend against, which is going to shock everybody, Tales from the Loop and its universe. I have had a hard time getting young people to grok it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kids that have grown up after the era of the wild 70s and 80s where we could just go and do things on our own and have adventures, they don't understand that world. Yeah. Like the disconnected world of like, be home when the streetlights come on. That doesn't exist. We rode our bikes for 27 miles that day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that is a game that's built on nostalgia. Yeah. And I've had similar things when I... Like, I tried to run masks for some teenagers one time, and they just, like, were like, okay. And, like, they didn't get, like, the commentary on teenagers. Like, because that's what mask is. Because <laughs> when you are a teenager. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, real. It's, like, the masks is meant to replicate teenagers for people who are not teenagers anymore. And as a teenager, you're like, what? <laughs> so... I, I can totally see that about Tales from the Loop. Yeah. It's just, oh, roll your lit stat. They're like... Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes. I kept running into the problem of like, well, why don't we just go tell the authorities? Yeah. Or like, why? why, If we thought there were dinosaurs in the forest, they were like eating neighborhood people, like, we wouldn't go check it out. We would. You don't have the internet. Of course you would go check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They all grew up seeing Jurassic Park. They know how that goes. Yeah. (laughs) We had like Land of the Lost or. The Land Before Time, where dinosaurs are your friends. Yeah, exactly. That was Did the one they have the leaf? Yeah. yeah. Be like, oh, dinosaurs, they're so... Oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Ooh. Yeah, that's very interesting. Just the, the lack of how things transfer over, kind of the biggest... I mean, I've, as a teacher, I have that a lot, where I say things. But it's interesting how much stuff like that changes over time. And, like, I remember the first year I had a class that didn't really have anything to say about 9-11 and it was just like because every year we have like our the day we kind of talk about it and usually it's like the first month of school awesome september of 11th right there at the beginning let's talk about the super heavy thing and for a long time it was something people like kids would talk about and we have a big discussion about it and then one year i was like okay i'm ready okay today's the day we have to have this like heavy discussion and talk about remembering and then everyone was just like quiet and i was just like and I like did the math in my head. I was like, oh, you were like three. You don't have any active memories of this event. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's like, okay, we still talk about it a little Might bit. Might as well be talking about like Pearl us, Harbor. Us and Pearl Harbor. Yeah, 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 it's exactly what it is. And it's one of those things that's just like, all right. And then you get far enough away from something like before having cell phones. Like some of the, my students like don't have cell phones because their family doesn't want them to have them. Mm-hmm. But there's the concept of landline is a thing most of them don't have any idea of. The fact that you would have to go somewhere and learn a thing and not just be like, oh, I can look it up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like, these are things that are so mm-hmm. out of their experience that having a setting like that would be really strange for them and not be like a cool nostalgia trip. We're like, oh, I remember it was like to be eight and just like running around on my street all day Saturday until like it got so dark and like I had to run home. Yeah, they just, they don't that's have just that. just when things are always getting good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And they just don't have that connection to it. Seem is it just see, feels off and weird, but without the reenacting childhood memories piece of it, which mm. is basically what that entire game is built on. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for do, sure. Do you, now, would you say the same thing about Tales from the Flood, like the updated version? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, like I think it has a greater shelf life, but since mm-hmm. it's set in the '90s, you know, you've got the '80s game, the '90s game. Yeah, both of those are times long past. Mm. And teenagers are all born in the 2000s now. Mm-hmm. Or later. Well, you got to do math and hurt my feelings. Right? <laughs> I know. The world keeps going. Yeah. It's very strange. But 
they have a bunch of other games in a bunch of other genres. So mm -hmm. I would say check them out because their stuff is great. Yeah. I love, I'm a huge fanboy. Yeah. And I've loved One Ring. And Year Zero Engine has a bunch of other spinoffs and a bunch of people have written also hacks of it and things like that too. So it's a pretty fantastic system. And I think there's, I think there's slight tweaks in each system. But like, yeah, but it's, it's all like, here's basic, the foundation. Yeah. Now we're going to do a little custom work to make it feel cool with that property. Yeah. Mm, which on, actually... In that genre. Which, yeah. yeah, I'm like, that's great. That's fine. Yeah, well, it also might be really helpful for you because it's like that same base core mechanic. Once you, your kid and that, that, you know, your club knows that base mechanic, it's really easy for them to then pick up the next new system, whether they're going to play the alien one or they're going to play the basin one or yeah, yeah. like there's a whole bunch of different ones or their dragon one or your blade runner which you're looking at like mm -hmm. once you know one of them then it's really easy to pick up the other ones because it's just like a slight tweak rather than yeah. learning a whole new system from scratch yeah there are also a lot of like really like five dollar games i want to say is a thing mm -hmm. or yeah and they have you know honey bear heist Something like that. Honey Heist, yeah. Honey Heist, yeah. yeah. And oh my God, that's a blast. Yeah. And Crash Pandas and yeah, that sort of stuff. I'd say Lasers and Feelings, but that might not be like your demographic with those kids. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, I mean, a lot of these games are really simple, but really fun. Yeah. And I always like one that does teamwork verse instead of against each other. Yeah. Sure. I think that's what makes TTRPG great. Yeah. Well, also one page honey, games thank you james yeah well also honey ice you get to like pick what kind of bear you're gonna be uh -huh. just like pick oh, a hat. That's so fun. yeah you pick a hat <laughs> yeah you know clara and her hats <laughs> but uh yeah honey ice is a good intro for kids for sure that's very very in their wheelhouse <laughs> all right and you get to make bear noises the whole time I mean, I feel like that's going to go badly for teenage kids. Oh, not them. I'm talking as the DM. I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the GM. Grr. Arg. Arg. All right. Thank you for joining us for Season 32, Episode 8 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. Please support our amazing Indie Designer of the Month, Allison, at Drazillion or drazillion.itch.io. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to our chat mod, James V, and to our amazing Patreons who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their amazing ranks at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. And my name is Kimmy. I'm Ingi. And I'm Kadev. Yay! And today we are leaving you with a cover of Laser Printed Hero, which is one of our flagship like songs that, that Stu did many, many, many years ago. This one is a cover by three amazing people called the Mary Sues. They are amazing. Which is one of them's me. The keytar is me. So Yeah, yeah. Anyway, thank you all so much, and we will see you next week. All right. Bye. 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 She looks upon the landscape of this ancient battlefield. She looks upon the horrors that curiosity revealed. That endless goblin army full of She gently calms her battle steed as she reaches, reaches for her As she waves amongst the horde, she leaves a trail of corpses with her trusty plus three sword. And she's a laser printing hero. No prisoners shall she take, though she's deep into her battle range. For all you didn't make, her companions keep their distance. And if she kills the healer, well, that's just how the story 
unto the mighty hero that turned that goblin host. She looks around the tavern and she mutters, what the heck? She spots a half-elf barkeep as she rolls her charisma check. And she's a laser-printed hero, and if she has any luck, she'll charm that sexy half-elf and have her in the time. The details will gloss over, not once the sword in prose. is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sue's performed our intro music, and our ending song was played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts.